0: Hello everyone and welcome to RadioWorks, uh, thanks for getting up early, <coughs> going into work and uh, coming to it, enjoy our breakfast which is quite nice, we should have that every day. Um, it's my pleasure to um, introduce you to Donna um, and I've got some information on Donna. Donna is the Insight Manager over at the Radio Centre, used to be the RAB. Um, it's the trade body for all of commercial radio and Donna's role is to develop and share the best in-class research Apparently, demonstrating the effectiveness of radio as an advertising medium. Commercially focused with over <coughs> 10 years experience in media, Donna works to turn research findings into actionable insights for agencies and their clients. Basically what that means is she tells us what the research says so we can all understand it. <laughs> uh, today's presentation is called Strike a Cord. It's the latest research project from the Radio Centre and it's an in-depth study into exploring how music communicates for brands. Um, Striker Court reviews the challenges and opportunities for brands in using music strategically and highlights the results of an EEG uh, analysis to understand the implicit responses to music within radio advertising. That sounds quite confusing. It's not, trust me, I've seen the research and Donna's going to sort of demystify all that for us. today. And the research also goes one step <laughs> further and shows practical outputs as well in the form of the Brand Music Navigator tool, which we'll be able to show you. But without further ado, I'll hand over to Donna. Right. Thanks,
1: Simon. Hello, hi. I'm going to stand behind this, but I'm not going to sing. I feel like I should, but I won't. <laughs> um, So, yes, sir, hello. Um, I'm happy to come here today to um, present Strike A Call to You. This is the first time that Striker a Call has actually been presented outside of the launch event which was only two weeks ago. We held it at the Abbey Road Studios in London. So you are my first audience of the condensed down version, more time friendly version of um, this research presentation. So let's have a brief intro. Um, so, as you saw from the video, our research centres on um, the power of music for brands, which is a slight um, departure from the, our kind of traditional effectiveness focus that our research, research projects n- normally follow, all of which reinforce the learnings and the findings that we have about radio as a real effective um, multiplier medium. All of our research studies, they can be found on our website, so they cover things like Audio Now last year, which focused on um, the, the ability for radio to play a complementary role to online music streaming services to help build um, the overall audio market, as well as our ROI multiplier, looking at the effect of radio um, in terms of ROI. (laughs) This is a slightly different um, research project from some of the research that we've got. We've seen that music can play a significant role um, in in radio effectiveness, some of the most effective um, radio ads contain a real strong musical element. So we wanted to kind of tap into that and try to ex- explain it and understand it a little bit more. So the first thing we did was to look at what research already exists within, within this area. So one of the main ones, is quite a, a famous study, or famous within radio anyway, is looking at the power of um, music and, and how it can affect on a subconscious level. So this is the Adrian North study. Now the study um, focused on French and German mu- um, wine sales within supermarkets so when it, within the wine aisle, different music was played within the background on different days. So on the days when the typically French accordion style music was played, French wine outsold German wine five to one. And on the days when more constitutional umpapa German music was played, the German wine outsold French wine um, two to one. So when we asked the shoppers, when the shoppers were asked what what kind of effect the the music had on their purchasing, the majority (coughs) of them said, well, what music? And that really showed the the power of the subconscious um, element of of music to influence the purchases. Also, research in music goes specifically onto the effects of of advertising within within advertising. (coughs) So this... Research taps into the extensive um, database of IPA campaign case studies and has a look and (coughs) all that the campaigns that use music um, have the ability to increase attention, make people more likely to remember the brand, the ad and the message, um, also (coughs) increasing purchase intent um, up to between 10 and 30 percent, so it's all pretty convincing, the power of music. See, we can see that multinational managers also, also believe in the power of music and, and its belief to strengthen strength from a brand, with over 97% of brand managers within multinational companies agreeing that music can, can strengthen from the brand. So, with this kind of really, really high figure, you kind of think, well, surely our work here is done. Why, why, why would we want to investigate this area further? We saw actually the same research showed that although 97% believe that music can strengthen from a brand, only 38% of them actually have a defined brand sound. You can see that this inherent belief in the power of music isn't really converting into action. So that was what we wanted to explore and wanted to really understand what the difference here was and to really understand how we can help overcome um, particular barriers. So to do this, this research piece was all about understanding the industry and, and putting together some research that was for the industry, by the industry. So we spoke to over 62 different um, experts within, within the advertising industry. We recognised some, some real kind of true legends here. So from the kind of planning, creative and client side, um, we wanted to really understand what the kind of barriers and challenges were for them to using um, music consistently within advertising campaigns. So we interviewed them on a a one-to-one basis, um, often in their offices with background noise and everything. Um, And we also hosted some workshops for planners as well to really understand um, the role of music and any kind of barriers and challenges that they face. And what we found from all of the interviews and all of the qual work that we did, talking to the um, experts within the industry, is that music was really seen as a real kind of complex and, and, and complicated area. It was often seen as an afterthought so when in the campaign planning music was the last thing thought about often when the budget had run out as well um, so we wanted to really understand why that was the case so that although the campaigns and, and the advertisers within the industry they could really understand and recognize the power of music to increase brand recognition and reposition a brand, for example, boots. Um, Here Come the Girls is a great example of using music to reposition a brand, from taking it from an idea of men in white coats for boots to, to a, a symbolism of sisterhood with Here Come the Girls. And music was a real strong example of, of, of how um, boots used, used music to reposition their brand. So they understood that, but they just it was still this afterthought. We really wanted to understand why and how we could help um, provide some new information and guidance as to how it can help them going forward. So we spoke to them, and obviously because this project was all about the industry, there, there, there isn't any point in us creating research <coughs> that isn't going to be used, that isn't welcomed. So we, wanted to, we spoke to them, we asked them, well, what is it that, that you would need to help kind of address these, these particular ba- barriers or challenges? And they said that they wanted new information, they wanted to understand how music can be used consistently and the kind of effects of that but they also wanted some guidance, some kind of practical outputs into how they can put music within brand briefs, how how they can make sure that they choose the right music for their brands. Um, So that's what we set out to do. We set out to try and answer these two key points that came directly from the industry. So first of all, new information. Um, We wanted to find out whether ads that use music consistently, do they outperform others? Are they better than others? When we say use music consistently, what we mean, well, kind or of the definition that we use for using music consistently is any single brand track or any track that's been used over consecutive campaigns across more than one year and across multiple media as well. That, that's what we define as consistent brand music. So, as we saw before, music obviously has the ability to influence our subconscious Now, the subconscious, for any researcher, is a very difficult thing to research. How on earth do you go about measuring the subconscious, something that you can't necessarily physically articulate? (laughs) Because emotion, is um, physiologically, is in a different part of the brain to those of logic, language and reason. So it's really hard to articulate what music makes you feel. That was a real kind of challenge for us in this research, is to really understand how we could measure the subconscious effects of music. (coughs) So considering all of the different challenges um, in measuring the subconscious, we wanted a methodology that didn't just measure the explicit or what people say they feel and felt, but also pardon me, the implicit, so what <coughs> the, their brain is telling us, what's actually the subconscious reaction to music within advertising. So the best way we thought to do this was to partner with our research um, Partner Push London and work on a neuroqual methodology. Now, neuroqual was quite new to us, and neuroqual combines the best of qualitative um, research along with EEG, so actually measuring measuring the brain. And how we went about this, we had 16 um, nationally representative participants. Um, in the world of EEG, this is enough for um, to create a significantly um, statistically significant sample. Um, quite a lot of medical journals with EEG research that 16 participants is absolutely fine. Um, it's the right level for, um, to, to have a ro- robust sample. So we had these 16 participants. This is actually in action here. You can see they were hooked up with this nice, lovely, very attractive skull cap with the 32 electrodes measuring all the different elements of the brain to pick up what the brain was or how it was reacting. So what we did, we had all these, these 16 people, one at a time, um, hooked up, and we played them 27 different radio apps. So we had these within three different pots. We had nine with consistent use of music, um, we had nine with a tactical use of music, or a one-off use of music, and then we had nine with no music at all. So we wanted to really understand how, how they all differed. And then we also asked our respondents, um, four questions as well, and they had to rate them on a score of one to four. So we asked them how much they liked the ad, how much they liked the music, um, how familiar the ad was, and how, um, how well they, they felt the music fitted um, with the brand. So all of this together helped us to have an implicit and as well as an explicit <coughs> response to the music within our radio ads. Now, to make sure our sample of 27 radio ads was as kind of fair, balanced and real-world as possible. We must have looked at about a thousand different radio ads to make sure that our sample was as balanced as possible. So we wanted to make sure we had a variety of different product sectors, so we covered off FMCG, government, travel, utilities. All of it was matched across all three samples, so it wasn't just consistent music within finance advertising, there was a consistent in finance, tactical in finance and a no music in finance as well. We needed to make it as kind of real-world as possible, so we didn't just take music out of a radio ad because that, that, that just isn't the same radio ad, and obviously that, that would therefore um, negatively affect, affect the, the sample and the results. We wanted to make sure there was a broad musical style, so it wasn't just... The latest chart topper in all of of the radio ads. So we covered off a a, a mixture, an equal mixture across the three pots of contemporary (coughs) music, of um, retro music, and orchestral music, just to make sure we covered off all eventualities, and we made it as as kind of balanced and real world as possible. We also made sure all of the ads had also appeared on TV as well. So with all of those boxes to tick, you can understand why it took us an, an awful long time. It took us between about two to three months to kind of compile our stimulus to make sure. It was as fair and robust as possible. So here are the ads that we um, that we measured. You <coughs> see, with these, it's important. Well, we wanted to look at everything on an aggregate level. So we didn't kind of break these out by individual campaigns. We wanted to have a look at them within their three pots of how they performed so we can really understand the difference between consistent, tactical, and no music within radio ads. You can see it's a real mixture of, kind of finance across the three, and FMC, FMCG and all, all the other categories across the three. So we wanted to make sure it was as balanced as possible. So what did, what did our, our results show us? Well, we could see that ads that use music consistently perform best on the explicit music measures. So this is when we actually asked the people the questions. Did they like the music? So you can see the real difference between consistent and tactical. So that kind of goes against what the industry felt, which was um, that people would get bored. People get bored easily with consistent use of music. That was one of the fears that the industry said that they had with using music consistently, is that consumers would get bored. See, this goes, goes against that fact. And in fact, it actually goes to reinforce the point that music can develop over time to, to kind of have a real tonal fit with a brand. So you become more used to it, you therefore associate the music or that particular music with the brand more strongly and then moving on to the actual music you again you can see the consistent and tactical those that used the consistent music were, were more liked this kind of fits with the, um, the finding within psychology of the familiarity effect so as long as something if you, if you hear it enough as long as it isn't intolerable it becomes more and more liked you can see that from the ad familiarity as well. So the consistent is outperforming the tactical there. So you can really see the power of consistent use of music against the tactical. Moving on to the real science bit, which I know i am even for. So we saw also with, with, with the choir as well, that we saw that those that heard the consistent music after the first few bars of, of, the, of the music, obviously because they they recognised it was familiar with them, they could identify the brand within the first few bars of the music, really showing the power of, of instant brand recognition based on the consistent use of music. So, the real science bit. So, looking at the um, EEG analysis, so what the brain actually told us. So, with the 32 different electrodes that everybody had on their skull caps, they can have a look at all the different kind of brand frequencies that happen within the brain and tell us what the brain was actually thinking and and reacting to when exposed to the ads. So the analysis looks at all the different electrical impulses and measures each, (coughs) measured on each of the electrodes. So here are the kind of top five ones there. We're kind of working with Goldsmiths University, which um, is the number one Ranked number one in kind of neuroscience and, and psychology in the country. So we really were working with the experts. There wasn't any way that we could have done this on, on our own. We really understand and look at the different frequency bands from gamma through to delta. Now, we focus in particularly on the gamma and beta frequencies. And these are the ones that are proven to indicate increased brand activation and engagement. And they're also associated with activation in the reward centres you are here, of the brain, additionally indicating levels of enjoyment. So finally, um, one of the studies that Goldsmiths um, were working on linked gamma and beta band responses to film trailers which had increased or or great performances at the box office, showing that kind of beta and gamma band power uh, can also be like a, a neural marker of commercial success those film trailers that had real high levels of gamma and beta went on to becoming quite successful at the box office, therefore showing obviously a great indicator of commercial success. So you can see that the gamma and beta which we will be focusing on um, indicate brain activation, enjoyment, engagement and can lead to commercial success. So the real scientific bit here, so looking at the two bar graphs, looking at the beta band power and the gamma band power, <coughs> You can see that the consistent use of music within ads yields greater activation versus tactical versus no music. Sometimes it can be easier to look at the heat maps, these are the ears and the nose, of people's (coughs) brains here. So you can see far greater brain activation for the consistent versus the tactical and the no music. And at an aggregate level, you can see that brain activations increased by 41% comparing the consistent to the tactical use of music across our radio ad sample. So you can see that, interestingly, (coughs) it suggests that when music is applied consistently, it engages the subconscious brain more effectively than tactical music. So reflecting what we learnt from the explicit, when we asked them the questions, um, (coughs) you can see that consistent music doesn't bore listeners. On the contrary, scientific evidence tells us that repeated and recognised music actually has the opposite effect it reaches out and engages them with ads on a deeper level.
2: Do you want to explain why the the difference between consistent and no music is less marked than consistent versus
1: tactical? I think it would all depend on, I suppose, on on the script and the brand as well. So if it's quite an impactful script... What came into play play there as well, yeah. So we wanted to have a look and try to further explain this and see how brand activation and engagement continues over the, the kind of span of an ad. So in the pink was the consistent use of music versus the tactical along time lapse. So this is the period of the radio ad playing. So you can see the gamma response, which we know links to enjoyability and engagement, remains much higher on the pink line throughout the ads when music is used consistently compared to the tactical use of music. Now, this suggests sustained attention when consistent music is enabled compared to that of tactical. So and obviously this is grouping together all of, all of the ads within, within that pot for consistent music versus tactical. So the EEG, from what we know from our industry experts, they really wanted to know how music communicates. So for the EEG findings, we found that the ads that use music consistently are better liked and more rewarding. Um, Also, they score high on familiarity and brand fit, which is what we saw from the explicit results. And they also show greater engagement across the duration of the ads. So we kind of sought to understand how music communicates for brands, but we also wanted to understand what, what it does communicate and how it can fit with a certain brand, how a certain musical style can fit with a certain brand, and really help the industry go further to understand and get that right mix. So our last ambition for the project is to provide agencies and advertisers with guidance on how brands and music can be linked more objectively. So it isn't just a case of thinking of your favourite music song and sticking it within an ad. It's, it's working out the best fit musically for a brand and providing some guidance on how to, how to go about that going forward. ambition. Um, was to create some kind of guidance for the industry, some kind of framework to help them make decisions about music more objectively, to inspire new thinking and to give some real practical outputs about how they can navigate this kind of seemingly complex area of choosing music for a brand. We wanted more tangible reasons for choosing a specific piece of music for a brand. And having explored lots of different ways and methods in which we could do this, we eventually settled on a semiotic analysis. Now, semiotics was a new new avenue for radio centre. It's something that we hadn't used before. So we called in a semiotics expert. So what is semiotics? Um, I didn't know before this research. Um, But Semiotics is a study of signs within society or what things can communicate beyond words. So, for example, looking at the toilet signs here, um, we interpret toilet doors without any kind of conscious thought. Um, Although not all women wear skirts, especially in 2015, the signs, because they've been used so often and in so many different areas, become a shortcut to convey meaning. So, a brand is a sign. Brands use signs not just to identify and differentiate themselves from their competition, but also to convey meaning and value. So, our perception of products and brands is determined by seemingly insignificant choices like colour and font. Helps to um, convey a certain meaning um, or quality for a brand. So, how does this apply to music? Well, music um, is also a sign system. Semiotics helps us link the signifier of a note, a chord, or a sound effect with what it signifies. It really helps us to understand how music can convey an, a certain emotion, like confidence, for example. Let's explore some of the ways in which music can communicate meaning. So, first of all, tempo a piece by Dave Brubeck. It was quite fast, um, over 100 beats per minute, and gives an exciting forward pulse, plus there was a strange time signature in there. So in comparison to to some Thelonious Monk... much slower tempo gives a more reflective feel to the music also you can have a look at the texture of a piece of music the way the sound is rendered and how it leaves you feeling so this is a piece of rock that has quite a raspy rough texture <laughs> You can understand the kind of feelings that 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 piece of music might evoke. Especially in comparison... much smoother, more airy feel, more relaxing about it, especially in comparison to the two, you can really see and understand how different music can convey different meanings. The last example I'm going to show you is looking at cultural references. Pieces of music often have um, meaning beyond the genre and can also evoke evoke whole cultural references, um, bring you back to a specific period or a set of ideological meanings. So if you wanted to refer to 1930s France... Um, you could play something like this.
3: Okay.
1: And one of my favourites, if you wanted to hark back to 1980s UK, you could play something like this. So why don't you use me? See how certain pieces of music can bring you back to a certain time or period that's been before. Okay, so this led us to put together a list of the six variables or parameters that we felt covered the most common ways that music can convey a certain meaning. So first of all, the, the psychophysical—how how it actually makes you feel. So these, these focus on the aspects that affect our primitive brain, so making you more or, or less excited. That focuses on the tempo. The volume and the predictability. The instrumentation. It's depending on what instrument or, or selection of instruments that are used can convey certain meanings of a, a sense of, of intimacy or a sense of a real bombastic feeling. Also, the tonal character. So, how different keys can, can kind of play and, uh, and affect our mood from the kind of major to the minor keys can really have real great um, effects on, on certain moods that are conveyed. By a certain piece of music. The sonic metaphor, so how sound is rendered and the patterns in sound and how and how these make us feel. The genre marker, so picking out of, of different ways that we interpret certain genres of music, so how we, we would interpret rock, for example, compared to classical, and the different kind of meanings that, that convey within those different genres. And lastly, the intertextuality quite good to say. So that's the cultural or the kind of national sound symbolism that a certain piece of music might evoke, so as we saw from the previous with the cultural references there. So we wanted, see this was a piece of research that focused, that was for the industry. Um, so what we did when we had our workshops with all the different planners is we wanted them to kind of provide us with the words, with kind of adjectives and verbs most used in briefs to describe ways brands should make us think or feel. We wanted to use semiotics um, information to help brands navigate this world of music. So we used a team of semiotics experts to set out to understand how music implicitly communicates each of these notions or emotions which are are most likely to be associated on brand briefs. And we deconstructed them using the six musical parameters (coughs) that I just showed you. So, I'll talk you through one of them as an example now. <coughs> so, looking at the word enchanted, so we wanted to understand how the different elements of music can be broken down and deconstructed so that it evokes or conveys this, this feeling of enchanted. So, from the kind of psychophysical, it was more of a slow to mid tempo um, piece of music to kind of create a, a medium um, sense of arousal. Instrumentation um, for Gets a sense of enchantment, it was more kind of piano, kind of plucked harps, strings or, or celeste. Total character, it tends to be in the major keys, but sometimes there'll be a shift in keys as well to invoke this sense of enchantment and, and magic. The sonic mef- metaphor, of enveloping sounds and images that kind of transport you to another place. Um, genre markers as well, so looking at kind of romantic piano, movie soundtrack or, or musicals. Along all the intersexuality, so trying to create this magic dreamlike experience, all, all of which would therefore convey a sense of enchantment. So what we did with our um, team of international semiotic experts and music- musicologists um, was we wanted them to take our think and our feel words and deconstruct them all and to understand all the different musical parameters, all the different musical elements that can make up or convey a certain thought or feeling. We put all of these together and created our brand music navigator tool. So this tool can be found on our website, um, completely free to use. Um, you can go in there, and this is the home page, so you can choose your think or your feel word that your brand would like to be associated with or would like to evoke within their campaign. So as an example, I'll pick a word. So we will choose the word witty. So once you've chosen your word, you can go through and you can have a look at the word palette, the musical parameters, and also some musical inspiration. If so we we'll look at the word palette first, you can have a look at other words that could be associated with witty. This, um, obviously, witty is the main kind of musical descriptor, but this obviously expands further to <coughs> so kind of expand the relevance of the tool as far as possible. Looking at the musical parameters, so each of these words um, has been deconstructed by our semiotic experts to help you understand the different elements <coughs> of music that can be broken down to convey the feeling of witty. So each of them, when you click on each of them, you can, you can open it up and you can understand um, how the music, musical parameter could convey that feeling. So for tonal character, it could be like a, a choppy, discordant and incongruent type of music which would therefore help convey this feeling of wittiness. All of this kind of helps inspire um, a musical choice. It isn't a, a definitive this is the answer, because um, creatives don't want that. Well, they, they don't want that at all, because their, their job is to be creative. It just helps to lead and, and guide and inspire by, by making you think of music in different ways. You can also have a look at the sonic metaphor as well, and, and the different elements within the sonic metaphor that might help convey a sense of witty. And lastly, our semiotic analysis pulled out five different, quite eclectic, um, examples, all of which could convey the use of convey the word witty. There's a real kind of eclectic mix, and I, when the tracks came into the office and I started listening through them, I have never experienced such a vast array of, of different music. and also you can see that there, it isn't a prescriptive thing, so kind of one size fits all, one type of music. Um, is, is limited to one brand association. It's quite a wide, and it all depends on how the kind of music is deconstructed. So, if we can listen to one example of a track that could convey the word witty. So, this is Minor Minos Swing by Django Reinhardt, an artist that I hadn't heard of before, and um, for this semiotic analysis. if you, you can see here. There's a YouTube link to it as well, so we have 30 second clips of all of the musical tracks, but also you can click through to the YouTube to hear a a full version. You can see the attributes or the kind of deconstruction elements which made this track um, associate with this particular word. into that track, you can you can kind of pick out <coughs> and understand so the instrumentation, the kind of sharpness of the pluck guitar and the fiddle give, give that witty edge, um, along with the kind of nimbleness <coughs> and the lightness of the performance, it conveys a certain cleverness, and all of those things can, can therefore help convey an, an association of witty for a brand. So moving on, obviously we have all of the 24, the 12 think and the 12 feel words that you can go through and, and, and play with as well. We also see these hashtags here which can link through to other other words that might also have have links or parallels with with the word or, or the track chosen. But further on, there's some more kind of practicality around our Music Navigator tool um, so that it's completely free to use on our website. So you can really understand um, how music kind of communicates um, for brands and enhances brand communication. So all of the EEG analysis, everything um, can link through to download the full report from from the whole research project for Striker Called. You can also kind of help you explore kind of helpful questions for, for briefing brand music. And you can understand how we de- deconstructed music using semiotics and how certain types of music could convey a certain brand association. So, in summary, um, we, we, we were asked to help people exploit brand music opportunities better by providing this new information and guidance. So for information, obviously it was the EEG, and it demonstrated how consistent brand music is a highly effective tool for advertisers. Obviously it boosted ad likability, familiarity, and um, audience engagement throughout the ad, as we saw from the EEG. Whereas the semiotics, obviously that provided this level of guidance that the industry um, said that that they would be interested in seeing. So it revealed how different musical elements and styles can implicitly subconsciously communicate rational and emotional meaning for brands. Obviously providing this framework for a more kind of objective conversation about using music more strategically within brand campaigns. So all of this together, the the existing research that's available as well as this new evidence um, that we've gathered, points to music being an incredibly powerful multiplier of effectiveness and meaning for brands worthy of far greater effort by advertisers and agencies in considering how to make it work harder for them. So if today's presentation has inspired you to give music its due consideration and explore how it can work for your brand, what next? Well, the next steps um, on our website, we have put together working in conjunction with the planners in the workshops that we hosted. We put together questions for briefing brand music properties, all the different questions that you you could perhaps ask within a brand briefing, within a brand brief, um, to really understand the type of music that could be found or could be matched with your brand. You can also explore how music relates to your brand using the Brand Music Navigator. Obviously, you, you can go on there, you can kind of click through. It's a very interactive tool, so you can move from one word to the next word to the next word, listen to all the different music tracks and hopefully inspiring your music choice. And then finally, obviously, considering how radio can multiply your brand music effect using all the evidence that we have on, on our website of all the studies highlighting the effectiveness of radio, for obviously, driving, driving ROI and multiplying the effects when used with other media. So, that was a whistle stop tour of an hour and 10 minute presentation. <laughs> i just hope that all made sense to everybody i'm sorry if i whizzed through it a bit quicker no. than i than i should have. did anyone
0: have any, anyone got any questions questions at all well? i've got another one sorry no, of
2: course, um, no, no. did your research um look at, if you're trying to establish a brand and mm-hmm. start using music for a brand um did it look at the balance between using an established track versus trying to make a track famous almost or, or own a new
1: track that wasn't an area that we focused on in detail, but obviously you you can understand if, if a track is already known, there's already a certain sense of yeah. kind of familiarity with, with that track. But it obviously all depends on what the association with that music is from before. because obviously that, that will be brought in yeah. um, to the brand as well.
2: I, I guess yeah. I guess the question is, uh, it's part of the question is, you know, can a can a track almost be bigger than the brand that's using it, and does, does the does the popularity of the track perhaps overshadow the fact that you're
1: trying to establish this brand. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh. I'm not sure that wasn't something that our yeah. research focused um, specifically on, um, but I suppose it all, it all depends, on, depends on the track and, and its history and, yeah. and, and where it's come from. Because if anything, if it's a really, really big track, it, it would obviously benefit, benefit the brand. Obviously, you need to make sure that the brand has a really strong message mm. so it does. So it isn't overpowered and, and the kind of brand message actually comes through. It isn't just music, yeah. just music on top of it. Okay. So, yeah, it's, it's getting that balance between the brand message and a really well-known track.
0: Interestingly, I was in a training presentation uh, last week, and I think it was Rob, actually, because okay. said, I was speaking to someone, and they didn't know that um, Blur's universal yeah, was by Blur. They just mm-hmm. thought that was the British, British Gas. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. sometimes it can actually well, it take turned on this yeah. head, yeah.
1: So I think the really good example of British Gas is obviously it was used for a very long period of time, but also across all of their multiple media touchpoints. Yeah. It wasn't just... In their main TV campaign, it, it was used everywhere, even on the kind of telephone hold music. It was a real great example of real affinity between the brand and the music. So, on that
2: on that example, the so British House is one of our clients. So we don't do the radio for them, but we're working with British Gas business. Yep. So, if, as a sub brand, is there any what the wisdom in terms of should you follow the main brand in terms of music choice or try and establish its own identity almost, is it's talking to a different audience?
1: Yeah, but with we have kind um, of creative research called the turning art into science, and what we found is the kind of the top five kind of creative features for radio ads when used in conjunction with TV is that link is that link with TV, a <coughs> consistent message and then yeah. kind of music link with TV or, or the sonic link with TV. It's really strong obviously strengthens strengthens the whole brand. Mm. So whether or not you kind of open with the same brand music, but then obviously have a, have a different, different brand message. But then I suppose with um, British Gas, they had the rescue me element for their mm. home care brand compared to, obviously, the overall um, blur universal. I suppose it, it can work if both ways. It depends how different the kind of sub-category uh, yeah. is. Yeah.
0: Any further questions? Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Hi, thanks. That was really good. Thanks a lot. Um, I have two questions, actually. It's gone. The first one is, once you've gone through the navigator and you've mm. found a track that's similar or, or you know, relevant, um, how do you go about licensing that track? Because okay. what if the artist, for example, doesn't want to use it, doesn't want to license it up? Yeah, Is there a, how
1: do you go about that <coughs> um, Well with, with the Navigator, obviously there's only 120 tracks on there in total. so they're not um, supposed to be a kind of a pick and oh I'll have that one it's more of a kind of an inspiration so you can oh. hear the, the type of track that could that could work for your brand to convey a certain um, brand association. But I suppose once you've, once you've chosen your track, I think there's, there's certain companies that, that can help with, um, with obviously licensing licensing tracks and, and on, on choosing, choosing your brand music as well yeah i had a second question go on, go on, go yeah, go is,
0: uh, is there anything that looks into kind of increased user control on on digital and how you can obviously skip the youtube ads and stuff like that anything to do with kind of shortened amount of time that ads are getting and how music can aid Sorry, i didn't put that very well uh finally you can skip after five seconds yeah. on YouTube, for example is there anything that um highlights how music can help that
3: keep as people on there for longer,
1: way. not specifically within, within Striker Called, obviously understanding the power of, of, of music and as we saw from, from one of the studies of, of seeing the engagement, how the engagement levels are yeah. increased with consistent use of, so you, you would hope that if you had a really good and um, strong kind of music track that's really well associated with your brand, but then I suppose it all depends on what the brand is, if it's really not relevant to, um, to your audience at all. It's, so it would be difficult to kind of maintain that. thing. It's all about kind of building and um, that brand recognition by using that music. So your audience might then recognise it is a British Gas ad, but still want to skip it. But obviously, they've they have recognised and, and reaffirmed and um, that brand choice. Cool.
0: Yeah. On, yeah. Hello. Um, oh, do Sorry, um, I just wanted to uh, just to make the. Of course. Was the semiotic um, research extended to the EEG study um, in any way? Because I what, what I found. Quite interesting was the potential. Um, for example, if you had categorized the track as witty, mm-hmm. and then you played a witty track to someone, and you didn't get the right kind of heat map, maybe we're using the wrong words and briefs.
1: Yeah, that was that wasn't something that we extended to. With the semiotic and the EEG were, were were separate, but that's certainly something that's that's interesting area to, to identify, yeah, because we, we spoke to quite a lot of planners within our workshops to really understand, and they were the words that, that came up that, that, that most, I don't know if you agree, that the <laughs> most find on brand briefs, those are kind of think and feel words, and um, that's why we used the word palette to try and extend that a little bit further, um, so it wasn't just those 24, but no, there wasn't something, that, they were, they were um, separate within this study, but that's certainly something that could be investigated further. So did you have
3: Hello. hello we are Maple Street with part of the creative with the creative hub that are linked to radio works and what I just wanted to do was reassure everybody because I know that from this presentation people might be thinking it has to be yeah. a well-known music track so what I just wanted to um, re-emphasize was our job when we're when we're doing creative briefs is to choose we've got library music tracks which are free to use on radio mm-hmm. and There's thousands of of wonderful tracks that suit all the different kinds of brands and fields. And I just wanted to reassure everyone that it doesn't necessarily have to be a hugely expensive, well-known music track. Um, Recently we had a brief for a a home builder and they wanted a music track that really was reassuring and had that sense of familiarity at home. And we found a, a lovely music track that was completely free to use that had it had a folky feel, and it sang about home being where your the heart is and where you feel at your best. And it suited the campaign so well. So I just wanted to reassure everybody that it doesn't necessarily have to be a track that costs hundreds of thousands of pounds to license, but we can help each client find the music track that's perfect for their campaign.
1: Yep, yeah, that could be true. That's why we obviously looked at the semiotic analysis, so we could deconstruct the different elements of, of, of music to really pick the right track. So no, it doesn't have to be a, a well-known track at all, it just has to be a track and the certain characteristics of that music, whether it's a free one from a library, um, from a library service, obviously matches um, or can convey a certain brand association and meaning. It, it's by using the same music that makes it consistent. It doesn't necessarily have to be a well-known track from the off are you planning to like extend the software so that it scans more than the 150 tracks that you've um, like manually inputted mm-hmm. so perhaps to build something that would look through um, all of youtube using some sort of like inbuilt software system goodness that sounds expensive um, <laughs> but it wasn't something that is that was part of the original um, kind of brief um for this research project but obviously if it's something that it really takes off. Everybody finds it really useful. Then that's obviously an area that we we, we could investigate. Um, but we just wanted this as a starting point. We didn't want to come to this tool to find the answer. It wasn't. It wasn't that for us. That was too restrictive. And that certainly wasn't. Um, what came across from the introduction that we spoke to, they, they didn't want the answer, they wanted help in kind of investigating it themselves to find the right the right brand fit. So that's why we obviously created a semiotic analysis to kind of deconstruct it. You can kind of go off on your own and kind of your own kind of brand, brand music experimental journey until you can find that right connection, the right track for your brand.
0: Brilliant. Well, thank you very much, everyone. Um, Donna's gonna hang around uh, to answer any more questions you've got. The Maple Street Studios team will also be hanging around probably by the cakes um, to uh, answer any questions you've got in terms of costs. Thank you very much for your time for coming. And, um, yeah, check out the research. It's all on the Radio Centre website. Thank you very much.